Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good morning and welcome to the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Hope all is well in your world as we start off another broadcast day. Lots of things to talk about, including yesterday evening's debate. Did you watch and what were your thoughts? Do you have any different thoughts or perspectives on the candidates based on what was observed yesterday evening? That is just... One of a number of things we'll discuss during the course of today's broadcast. Also, we are always on the alert for breaking news in case there's anything that happens during the course of this broadcast. I want to begin with the political stage. The political stage. And I share this in the context of the debate yesterday evening, but also... Delving into the people who belong on the political stage. One of the things that I have talked about for quite some time is my frustration with the fact that some people do not know when to get off the stage. You know, it's a, you know, probably a point of pride for a lot of people who want to feel like, and I think this may happen with especially some of these older guys, their identity is completely tied up in their positions, their titles, their status. And if you come to a place where you then no longer have those things, who are you? What do you have to live for? And I suspect this is a lot of what is going on with some of these folks who are in the nation's capital. I would uh, put air quotes of the word serving in Congress because there's something intoxicating for some people about being in the spotlight, about having people look to you for answers about having having people come to you to help solve problems to be thought of as somebody important beyond your own family and small circle of people who you know people who really do know you that is a daunting situation for a lot of people and I'm not saying this, but my point in sharing this with you is it's not in any way boasting. I'm just telling you, I don't think there's ever been a time that I really craved attention. You know, I spent 20 years doing television news, and I 
can honestly tell you, I thought it was cool. Like, especially the first few times I was on TV. I remember my first television appearance was in Louisville, Kentucky, when I did an internship there. And I thought, okay, sure, that's cool to see my story and my face and everything. There was something cool about it. But after a while, it was like, okay, this is a job. And I did not go around thinking, well, I wonder if somebody is going to notice me. <laughs> I, In fact, most of the time, much of the time, I'm thinking to myself, I hope I'm not noticed. <laughs> and, I, and seriously, now, I have people in my life who just do not believe me when I tell them there's a part of me that would love to just go somewhere and be anonymous. That thought has gone through my mind plenty of times. But as I said to you, this whole thing with being in the public eye, for some people, it really is intoxicating. And it's very difficult for them to get away. Miami Herald has an interesting story. I am not a big fan of the Bush family. I'm just not. But I really have to commend former Governor Jeb Bush who has come out publicly and said it is time for older Americans to get off the political stage. Amen. Yesterday, calling for older Americans to pass the political torch to a new generation, saying it's up to a new cohort of leaders to change the country's toxic political climate. I want to share something else, and, and I think I've told you about this before. The late Don Atkin, who is a spiritual mentor, father for me. I saw this wonderfully modeled so well by him. He passed away earlier this year. He was in his 80s. And really, ever since I've known him, he's always had this perspective since meeting him in 2008 or so. It, it's time for the younger folks to take center stage. The whole point is for the older folks to prepare the new generation to take over. And at that point, if you've provided the right kind of leadership, you're going to have the right kind of people emerge who are ready. And I think there are people who are ready. And so when it reaches that point, I remember, I, I can't tell you how many times we would have meetings, whatever it was, Don Adkin would say to me, you know, I I just want to sit, sit in the back, and I want to watch what God is doing in your life. That was his perspective. It was not to hold on and to take center stage. No matter how many times I wanted him, hey, I'd like for you to do this. No, how about you? Jeb Bush, as a 70-year-old person, I'm part of the problem. He said this at a luncheon at Miami's Jungle Island, hosted by the Greater Miami Chamber of Commerce. It's time for my generation to get off the stage politically. As you know, Jeb ran for president in 2016. Ill-fated campaign. He did not point fingers at any specific political figure or candidate. He said members of both parties deserve blame for playing into ideological extremes and using hyperbolic rhetoric. Yeah, you think? The people that say the most outrageous things get more followers on Twitter. 
They don't want to serve. They don't want to solve problems. They are there because they want to be a Kim Kardashian political figure. God help us. Yes, and there are plenty of people out there like that. We're going to talk more about this and get your thoughts on this idea of passing the torch on to the next generation. on the Vince Coakley radio program. If you'd like to join the conversation, our phone number is 704-570-1110. 704-570-1110. It's that time, folks. It is tomorrow, believe it or not. Time for the 30th annual Hancock's Bikes for Kids. We're asking you to join the spirit of giving. Started by John Hancock and donate a new bike for a child in need this Christmas. We will gather tomorrow, December 8th. Here at WBT and all the WBT personalities will be on hand to say hello. Hancock Spikes for Kids, presented in partnership with WBTV. Friday, December 8th, 5 to 9 p.m., sponsored by Blue Cross and Blue Shield, North Carolina. Visit WBT.com for more details on this. So I talked about the political stage and how I certainly have the desire for some of these older politicians to get off. And I'm not talking about, you know, gradually stepping off the stage. I'm talking about run, get out of there. He also talked about the fact we've got so many people who are just looking for attention. They're trying to be relevant by just making a whole lot of noise. I think this has really hurt the Republican Party some of the causes and the stupid things that they have been doing, and I will repeat it again. If you are a, dare I say it, an election denier, it's idiotic to talk about it. It really is. If this is a person, if there's a candidate who makes this a primary subject to discuss to relitigate 2020, I, I don't want to hear it. I really don't. And if there are other candidates, I will be more intrigued by listening to the other candidate than someone who is babbling on and on about this nonsense. It's 2023, and we need to be looking to 2024 and beyond. Back to Jeb Bush, asked by one attendee about the politics of Florida's current governor. Republican Ron DeSantis Bush declined to address that part of the question, advised young people get involved in public life on their own. So he's not come out and endorsed anybody at this point. He's been out of office more than 15 years. He is characterized as a moderate. He's praised DeSantis in the past, telling Fox News earlier this year the Florida governor could help lead a generational change in the nation's politics. But again, he's not endorsed DeSantis or anybody else. Bush spoke about politics only in broad terms. He decried that some Americans had come to rely too heavily on alternative style facts. 
and have become too comfortable having our views validated. Boy, is this a problem. We've got a huge echo chamber. And that's got to be broken up. He also called on a new generation of Americans to restore the civility of American politics, but said that can only happen if voters stop rewarding politicians who play to their parties and voters' most extreme demands. We need to reward the politicians to have the courage to go against their base based on principle. And I'm all for that, as long as those principles are grounded in the Constitution. The timing of Bush's remarks also significant. Here we are with the two leading folks running for president. We got Biden, who's 81, seeking re-election. Donald Trump at 77. And yet, if you look on the Republican side, the younger folks are way, way behind. DeSantis, Nikki Haley... Jeb Bush concluding his remarks, saying we have two tribes, red and blue. If you're on the blue team and someone says something completely outrageous, stand up and say, no, you're wrong. And if you're on the red team, do the same thing. I fully agree with him on this. This is one of the concerns I have right now about the Republican Party. There are not examples I see significantly of people who are saying no, you're wrong. There are people who just desperately want to affirm their person. And this is harmful to our republic. Very harmful. Everybody needs correction. Everybody. An adjustment. I'd love to get your thoughts on the comments from Jeb Bush. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let's get our first perspective on this to go out to the area right outside of Mecklenburg County into Gaston County across the river. Here is Tom. Good morning and welcome, Tom. Good morning, Vance. Listen, uh, I think I kind of know where you're coming from with the age thing, but age basically is nothing but a chronological number. My thing is that if people uh, of whatever age or gender are able to think and their faculties are good, that's the main thing. We, we need to have people in there who uh, can deal with ideas that are fundamental and timeless to our Constitution. So whether you're eight, 80 or 18, that doesn't matter. It's just your mental faculties. And then lastly, there are a lot of people particularly minorities and Hispanics. They, they have never had an opportunity to serve municipal, local, state, or federal, and they may be over 50, 60, or whatever, and they need their turn at bat. So, like the song says, don't give up until you drink from that silver cup. And that's <laughs> I like that one, Tom. That That's pretty clever. Do you see the difference and the concern, though, between that person? Uh, and To be honest with you, I would find that refreshing, for instance, if you're talking about that 50-year-old 50, 50 person, maybe even 60-year-old person who's worked in 
private enterprise in their entire lives. And they're like, you know, the country really needs something that I can bring to the table. I want to go and run and I want to make a real difference here uh, and go in. Do you see a contrast between that person and somebody like Mitch McConnell, who has been in the Senate ever since the devil was a little boy? I do. Mitch McConnell, Throm Thurman, all these guys, they're up there just because just to be there occupying time and space. But you're right. But my main thing, you're right. And my, my main thing is that there are people who have never held a uh, council office, mayor's office, and, state and that, you know what I'm Yeah, I'm with you, Tom. I love it. I love your perspective. Thanks very much for offering that alternative view. And again, this is about someone new. And that's very different than these hangers-on and these folks who just don't know when to shut up and go home. You know, I remember this most probably from cartoons when you'd see somebody. Oh, and the other place I would see it is the gong show. When somebody would go up on a stage and their act just sucked. It was terrible. They did all kinds of outrageous things on the gong show. And I remember in uh, kind of old show style, someone had kind of a cane with, you know, with a hook and pulled the person off the stage. It'd be nice if we can do that with these politicians. Just pull them off. Maybe flog them after that. I'm just kidding. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We are back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Very curious to get your thoughts on the debate. Did you watch yesterday evening? What is your level of interest? Do you think this is pretty much, you know, this is all just going through the motions because ultimately the real contest is set in stone. It's going to be Biden versus Trump. Do you think that's what's going to happen here? How many of you are still interested? You're intrigued. You want to hear what these candidates have to say. My gosh, I'm watching Biden leaving a White House appearance. Oh my goodness, he looks terrible. I'm, I'm not. I'm not just saying things here, folks. I think this guy just looks absolutely horrible. Nonetheless, we've got debates going on with. Republican candidates who are trying to make the case ahead of Iowa, ahead of South Carolina. The contests are coming up in just a few weeks. It'll be here before you know it, folks. Why don't we begin with a compilation of what took place yesterday evening in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Four of the remaining 2024 candidates sparring and trading barbs over issues ranging from the southern border crisis to policy surrounding trans youth, Donald Trump's ability to run again, all kinds of things they discussed yesterday evening. Here is just a sampling of some of the comments from yesterday evening. 
I have delivered results. That's what we need for this country. And you have other candidates up here like Nikki Haley. She caves any time the left comes after her, any time the media comes after her. I did a bill in Florida to stop the gender mutilation of minors. It's child abuse and it's wrong. She opposes that bill. That I, is the truth. I we never have it, said We have it that. on video. I said, I said that if you have to be 18 to get a tattoo, you should have to be 18 to have anything done to change your gender. You said the gender. law should stay out of it. I think the North Star here is transgenderism is a mental health disorder. We don't let you smoke a cigarette by the age of 18. We don't let you have an addictive drink of alcohol by the age of 21. We can do the same thing when it comes to banning genital mutilation. Look, we will take support from anybody we can take support from, but I have been a conservative fighter all my life. I was a Tea Party candidate when I became governor. We opposed every single corporate bailout we possibly could. But when it comes to these corporate people that want to suddenly support us, we'll take it. Nikki, you were bankrupt when you left the UN. After you left the UN, you became a military contractor. You actually started joining service on the board of Boeing, whose back you scratched for a very long time, and then gave foreign multinational speeches like Hillary Clinton is. And now you're a multimillionaire. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. I know the elites in D.C., they don't care. They don't care that fentanyl is ravaging your community. They don't care that illegal aliens are, are ravaging our community and overwhelming our community. The commander-in-chief not only has a right you have a responsibility to fight back against these people. You're going to uh, categorize them as foreign terrorist organizations, uh, and we will identify just like we would anywhere. When I was in Iraq, the, Ara the, the Al Qaeda wasn't wearing a uniform. You'd see anyone walking down the street, they all had man dresses on. You didn't know if someone had a, a bomb, an IED attached, or not. But look at where fentanyl came from. Let's go to the heart of the matter. It came from China. That's why we need to end all normal trade relations with China until they stop murdering Americans with fentanyl. But this is where Trump went wrong. Trump was good on trade, but that's all he was with China. Because here he allowed fentanyl to continue to come over. He continued to allow them to take, he would give them technology that would build up their military and hurt us. He allowed the Chinese infiltration for them to buy up farmland, to put money in our universities, and to continue to do things that were harmful for America. I want everybody at home to know that I was the first person to say we need a reasonable peace deal in Ukraine. Now a lot of the neocons are quietly coming along to that position with the exceptions of Nikki Haley and Joe Biden. Neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. This is a smart, accomplished woman. You should stop insulting so her. So I'm going to take Chris, your version of foreign policy experience was closing a bridge from New Jersey to New York. Yeah. After the third debate, when I criticized Ronna McDaniel after five failed years of leadership of this party and criticized Nikki for her corrupt foreign deal as a military contractor, she said that I have a woman problem. Nikki, I don't have a woman problem. You have a corruption problem. And I think that that's what people need to know. Nikki is corrupt. This is a woman who will send your kids to die. Governor Haley, would you like to respond? No. It's not worth my time to respond to him. You seem to be saying Donald Trump is no longer mentally fit to be president. Is that what you think? The idea that we're going to put someone up there that's almost 80 and there's going to be no effects from that, we all know that that's not true. If you're not answering you just don't like, you have your thing, you have your thing. They're afraid to offend. And See, let I me wanna, tell you I something, wanna, if, you're afraid, Chris, if you're afraid to offend Donald Trump, 
then what are you going to do when you sit across from President Xi, you sit across from the Ayatollah, you sit across from Putin? Oh, wow. <laughs> Some great fireworks there. And that's not all of them that took place yesterday evening. What are your thoughts? Who came out on top yesterday evening? So what do you think, those of you who watched the debates yesterday evening, did you have any significant thoughts? Anything that was a game changer for you? Some comments from a particular candidate that kind of rung a bell for you and you thought, you know, this is definitely my person for 2024. Or maybe the opposite. I'm absolutely done with Chris Christie. <laughs> You know how long I've given that candidacy consideration. <laughs> this is just too much, ladies and gentlemen. So your thoughts are welcome. Your perspectives, 704-570-1110. As you know, one of the big issues that's certainly on the table, it takes on a lot more significance now, our national security. UK Daily Mail reports on a warning coming out of the FBI director saying the U.S. is facing the highest risk of attack in years. Christopher Wray says there are blinking lights everywhere and warns terrorists will exploit the southern border, which is kind of interesting. This seems to be somewhat of a, a um, sideswipe on this administration for its border policies. Christopher Ray telling Congress the threat has gone to a whole other level. Warning violent extremists could draw inspiration from the Hamas attack on October 7th. The U.S. facing the highest risk of a terrorist attack in years in the aftermath of October 7th. And what Hamas did, its atrocity in Israel. Ray warned the Senate Judiciary Committee there are blinking red lights everywhere when asked to assess the threat matrix faced by the U.S. The threat level has gone to a whole other level since October 7th, according to the FBI director. His comments coming at a time when U.S. forces are being subjected to a barrage of strikes in the Middle East. And... With Jewish and Muslim communities getting targeted right here at home. So far, 74 attacks on U.S. bases and troops since October 17th. That's a pretty big deal. The Bureau moving quickly to stop threats against Jews and Muslims across the country. He did give his dire analysis of the situation at the border. He said enough fentanyl flooded from Mexico to kill every American and admitted he was concerned migrant crossings are adding to the terrorist risks. Well, Mr. Ray, you need to pay a visit to the man at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and tell him to get his freaking act together. That's something we can't do a darn thing about. You can. The president can. If there is will, this can be stopped. Ray warned violent extremists in the U.S. and abroad could draw inspiration from the Hamas attack. The FBI is working around the clock to stop these potential attacks. Adding what I would say, this is unique about the environment we're in right now. 
While there may have been times over the years where individual threats could have been higher here or there than where we may be right now, I've never seen a time when all the threats or so many of the threats are all elevated, all at exactly the same time. Hmm. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham raised the question, so blinking red lights analogy about 9-11, all the lights were blinking red before 9-11, apparently. Obviously, all of us missed it. Would you say there's multiple blinking lights out there? Ray said, I see blinking red lights everywhere. He said the U.S. was facing threats from a veritable rogues gallery of terrorists. Ray used the hearing to make a fresh pitch for renewal of a key spy program and said it would be devastating if it was allowed to lapse. This is Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. It's going to expire at the end of the year. In case you don't know what that is, that's the FISA Act. Allows the government to collect without a warrant the communications of targeted foreigners outside America. This has been controversial because for one thing if you have an American citizen an innocent American citizen on the other end they could get swept into this surveillance obviously this program created in the aftermath of 9-11 so it comes to an end at the end of this month unless Congress votes to reauthorize it both Republicans and Democrats have balked at renewing it Ray said 702 allows us to stay a step ahead of foreign actors located outside the U.S. who pose a threat to national security. And the expiration of our 702 authorities would be devastating to the FBI's ability to protect Americans from those threats. What do you think? Are you comfortable with this idea of reauthorizing the FISA law? Is this a wise thing, or do you have concerns about infringing on the rights of American citizens who could get swept into some sort of investigation? Love to get your thoughts as we continue the broadcast still to come. By the way, there's a vote on the floor right now to censure Congressman Bowman for pulling that false fire alarm. You remember that some weeks ago? It's a censure vote underway. We'll tell you how this thing goes. Oh, my goodness. What a circus, ladies and gentlemen. Still to come, we'll talk about what's going on in the House with Kevin McCarthy going. There's a genuine concern about numbers. The Republican majority is already thin. Some are saying this is the last thing this party needs is to have yet another Republican leaving now. And some pretty uh, graphic comments from Marjorie Taylor Greene about the risk of losing the majority. We also have Therapeutic Thursday. Do not let the corruption of money destroy things that are very valuable. We'll tell you what that valuable thing is as we continue our broadcast of the Vince Coakley radio program. Stay with us. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome to hour number two of the Vince Coakley radio program. Breaking news out of the nation's capital. Representative Jamal Bowman has just been censured for pulling the fire alarm, making him the latest member punished this year. Some of this stuff you just can't make up, ladies and gentlemen. It's just downright silly. So Jamal Bowman, he triggered a fire alarm in one of the U.S. Capitol office buildings back in September when the chamber was in session. The third Democratic member of the House, the third to be censured or admonished in some way. This is one step below getting kicked out of the House. Bowman saying it's painfully obvious to myself, my colleagues, and the American people, the Republican Party is deeply unserious and able to unable to legislate. Defending himself on the Senate, on the House floor, their censure resolution against me continues to demonstrate their inability to govern and serve the American people. Go screw yourself. This guy is an absolute idiot. An idiot. I mean, I get people making mistakes, but to this day, to my knowledge, this guy has not even acknowledged. I mean, who does this? Who does? I mean, this is the kind of thing a child would do, a juvenile would do to get out of school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This man is not even an adult. So, this is exactly what he deserves a censure and then there are those who might make the argument here that he should be kicked out altogether that's probably extreme but I have no sympathy for this whatsoever how about wasting people's time by needing to have this kind of behavior addressed how about that? You know, if you behave like an adult, there's no reason to have to have this kind of hearing. Just saying. Just putting it out there. As we continue our broadcast now, it's time for Therapeutic Thursday. One of the things I really urge people to do is to be very, very careful who you entrust your life to, your money to, and this is especially true in the spiritual realm. I've gotten to the point, and I think you probably know this by now, I will put up, well, that's I don't know if that's true. I was about to say, I'll put up with total heathens before I will put up with religious charlatans who are trying to take my money. The kingdom of God is a realm 
where there should be a significant difference in life demonstrated. It's a place that's focused on serving rather than being served. It's a place that's focused on giving rather than taking. So this item that I'm going to share with you by Steve Crosby hits right to the heart of this challenge in our modern religious culture. He cites Acts 19 saying real Christianity is bad for business. Money follows popularity and both Jewish and Christian scripture warn against making value judgments based on popularity and money as the other God and the love of it the source of corruption and innumerable evils. When we see outrageous amounts of money cozying up with what presents itself as Christianity, it would be prudent to exercise discernment and be highly skeptical as to what is going on. Historically, I can't think of one positive kingdom outcome, whatever the church, the people of God, through their leaders, gets in bed with money and power. It always ends in corruption and wickedness. Isn't that the truth? Money and power. And so many of us, we flock to these things. So it's very important, again, for us to have the discernment to be able to distinguish between what is real, what is genuine, and what is not genuine. I, I'm not sure I've mentioned this on the program before. I don't know why. I kind of stumbled upon this. A lot of times you get these lists that you find on social media. And I was quite intrigued to come across, it was a listing of the wealthiest pastors in the world. I mean, it, it absolutely blew my mind. In fact, I should pull that page up now, because when I saw this, I thought, I... Oh, there's one of the wealthiest pastors in America, wealthiest ones in the world. 20 richest pastors in the world. I, I It just blows my mind. When I'm seeing these numbers, I'm like, what in the world? And what really struck me is how many of these are people who are not even in America? Just for the fun of it, I wasn't planning to go here. And, and please do not hear what I'm not saying. It is not a sin to have money. It's not. But I think we have to do some serious examination of ourselves when we look at a Jesus who did not have a place to lay his head. And we're emulating Jesus. And, and again, I'm sharing these. This is not necessarily edit. Not necessarily, I emphasize that editorial comment on these people and, and what they're doing. But I think there ought to be a question mark here. For one, and, and let me just restate what I've said before. I'm going to save this for 
Well, <laughs> I'm just going to jump right in. Ah, this blows my mind. Number 20, Joseph Prince, $5 million. T.D. Jakes, $20 million. Rick Warren, $25 million. Creflo Dollar, love that name, $27 million. Ray McCauley, $29 million. Enoch Aidboy, hope I pronounced that right, $39 million. By the way, he's a Nigerian pastor. Nigeria. You know the economic turmoil that country's been through. By the way, I just, I know what I was going to say earlier. Uh, I, a pastor is a person who has relationship with people in their flock that goes beyond preaching sermons from a pulpit. It would be my position that most of these people are not genuine pastors. They have no idea and have very little to any relationship with people. Just saying. Benny Hinn, 40 million. Andy Stanley, 45 million. Jesse Duplantis, 50 million. Paul Aid Farazin, born into a, worth, a wealthy family in Nigeria, 50 million. Hubert Angel, 60 million. British Zimbabwean charismatic preacher. Zimbabwe ambassador. Interesting. Joel Osteen, 100 million. Shepherd Bushiri, Malawian pastor, based in South Africa, 110 million. Romildo Ribeiro, 125 million. Brazilian televangelist. Chris, I can't even pronounce this last name, 126 million. Nigerian. Don't you find this odd? A country so incredibly poor. Number five, David Oidepo, another Nigerian preacher, 150 million. Voldemiro Santiago, Brazilian pastor, 350 million. Kenneth Copeland, 760 million. And these are names I've never heard of. Alf Luca, $1 billion. South Africa. Congolese roots. Adir Macedo. Never heard of these two people at all. Another Brazilian. What is going on with Brazil? One point. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Point two billion dollars my goodness i just thought i'd share this with you i i <laughs> since i've seen it before it, it just blows my mind and we're back on the vince coakley radio program 23 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock uh, we're going to take a very, very quick call here from David. You have about a minute here, David. What are your thoughts? Well, hey, Vance. Thanks for taking my call. 
Now, um, I was listening to you talk about how Biden didn't look good, you know, on the TV, and the thought occurred to me. You know how we say the presidency ages people? Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, probably the best example was President Obama. I mean, when he first started, he looked young and vibrant, energetic. After eight years, he was weathered, worn, and gray. I mean, really gray. (laughs) You're right. You know, if it does that to a man who started out young, imagine what it does to somebody who was old as dirt when he started. (laughs) I mean, come on now, let's be realistic. No, Biden only makes two decisions a day: boxers or briefs, vanilla or chocolate. Everything else in his life is decided by that group of people that he surrounds himself with. Those little young leftists that have uh, all these strange laws and movements that he seems to push now, which is just not the Joe Biden I remember from the 80s and 90s. I hear you. But, um, no, well, I, I was just thinking about that, how the presidency ages people, and I'm like, does. my God, you know, look what it's doing to Biden. Yep, you're He's absolutely right. deteriorating before and our eyes. He didn't have much to work with at the beginning, David. I very much appreciate your call and your perspective. It is right on point. Before I forget, I'm going to take the fourth caller. Fourth caller, you win tickets to the Glenn Miller Orchestra concert at Ovens Auditorium. It's coming up Sunday, December 17th, 3 p.m. Again, this is caller number four, Glenn Miller Orchestra concert, two tickets. Hope you have a terrific time. Speaking of time, we don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to get to a friend of mine who I have the opportunity to talk with, who is in town. He is been making his residence in Israel for quite some time, is in the States now, involved in some very important ministry, uh, and reaching folks who desperately need it now more than ever. I'm talking to uh, Kenny Russell, who joins us now on the broadcast. Uh, Kenny, welcome back. Good to talk with you, sir. Uh, it's good to be with you, Vince. Good to hear your voice, and what a blessing to be in the States uh, in the midst of all the war and uh, basically the trauma what we're facing as a nation in Israel. I want to start with October 7th. Were you in Israel at the time when this happened? Yeah, um, it was a Shabbat morning. Uh, You know, I'm an early riser. You know, I like to get up early and get in the scriptures and pray. And uh, uh, it's 6.30 in the morning, all the alarm systems on your phone, the alerts and stuff, were all going crazy. And... uh, I knew there was something different about the day, even from 5 a.m. I was reading the book of Jeremiah, chapter 4 to verse uh, to chapter 10, where it was talking about, you know, invasion from the north and God's judgment on the land. And, you know, it was uh, just uh, quite something to witness everything that unfolded, not just in that day, but to watch as a people, as an Israeli uh, you know, within our community and also across the whole nation, just the impact of everything that happened. It was definitely a huge genocide that took place. And, man, the, the state of mourning hasn't, you know, it, it's hard to really comprehend what we feel like in the midst of it all because ever since September or, or October the 7th, we've all been working so hard to stand in the gap and help those in need and those that are in the place of trauma. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a day that is scored upon the heart of your life, just like September 11th, you know, it's, it's never going to be erased. I wanted to ask about what 
is going on in terms you talked about the needs and because this is this is profoundly traumatizing aside from the tragedy the deaths uh you have the people who now have to pick up the pieces from this um we only have a minute or two left here what kinds of things are you you able to do in a practical way to minister to those people in those situations yeah, well, what we're doing as a ministry, um, you know, we're a non-profit in America as well as, you know, in the nations. But what we are seeking to do, we've got over half, about half a million reservists called up. And the size of our country, to have that many people called up, there's so much people displaced that your economy doesn't function properly. So it's not just the reservists that are called up that are on active duty. The whole community or the whole nation is seeking to support uh, our IDF uh, and protecting our borders and providing everywhere we can. So the, the government and the IDF has not been able to supply our soldiers with some of the basic needs like uh, bulletproof vests, hats, pants, uh, boots, <laughs> just basic uniforms. And uh, we are trying as a ministry to, we raise funds and do a lot in logistics and distribution. We help get uh, food parcels, water, uh, winter kits, just to give them jackets and gloves and thermals. And we get all these things out to the front line and also helping families that are displaced. In the south, all of the communities were displaced. But also in the north, you've got 65 communities that have had to leave home and they've been living in hotels for the last two months. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of need and, you know, I just want to be in America right now sharing with people, talking about what we're doing, uh, how people can support the efforts of the things that we're doing. But more than anything, it's just to have the, the body of Christ and other believers standing in the gap in prayer for what's going on in Israel, you know. And that is absolutely essential in this time because that that's the greatest need. The greatest need is spiritual. Um, you know, this is not to dismiss the practical needs because those are certainly there. But if yeah. ever there's a time where people need hope, it is absolutely right now. Um, in the, the few seconds we have left, what is the best way that people can find out more about this ministry and how they can get involved? Uh, you can go to bulldozerfaith.com. That's our website, bulldozerfaith.com. We have uh, a Messianic Emergency Relief Fund on there that people can give to. But also in this time in the States, if people want to, me to come and speak, uh, just contact me. I'm available over the next couple of weeks to do speaking engagements across the country. And uh, we, we appreciate any help and support that people give. But it also gives you an update of alternative news from people on the ground uh, so you can hear the real news. So connect with us and uh, just join with us so we can keep you up to date with what's happening. But I uh, appreciate uh, this moment to share, Vince. Thank you. And again, it's bulldozerfaith.com if you'd like more information. And uh, Kenny Russell, who I've known for uh, a number of years, I very much appreciate what you are doing and uh, we'll continue our prayers for you. Be safe out there, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Vince. Thanks for the opportunity and blessings to your audience today. Yeah, God bless you as we continue the Vince Coakley radio program. Back in the Vince Coakley radio program. If you'd like to join our conversation, phone number 704-570-1110. You can also connect with your host 
It is Vince Coakley, and it's C-O-A-K-L-E-Y on X, formerly known as Twitter. You can also look for the Vince Coakley page on Facebook. Look for the profile with me behind the microphone. That is the easiest way to find it. While you were away, Donald Trump, who spent some time in a New York courtroom, he was basically just observing this civil trial and... Coming out, he spoke to reporters, typical, usual themes that he has communicated for quite some time about all of these legal proceedings, whether they are civil or criminal, referring to this case against him in New York as a fraud, an example of election interference, witch hunt, all things you've heard before, but this happening just a few minutes ago. Apparently, the civil trial is in its final stages, and we will see the results of that perhaps in a matter of days. Earlier, we were talking about the upheaval going on in Congress. I mean, you heard about the censure vote for Jamal Bowman for pulling the fire alarm. The Democrat Party... They don't have much to worry about in terms of their numbers. They're in a minority, and it's not going to change, perhaps until 2025, when the new Congress is sworn in. However, the Republican Party, it's not a pretty picture, because you have a majority that's, I believe, in the single digits. And now they're about to lose one. We told you about Kevin McCarthy and the fact he's going to leave Congress at the end of the year. This is raising anxieties among fellow Republicans about the path that lies ahead for their narrow and fractious majority. Congress is having a tough time moving forward on a raft of critically important legislation, including fiscal 2024 spending bills that Congress has to adopt by January 19th to avert a part avert a partial government shutdown this is again amusing because once again they have failed their constitutional responsibility to complete a budget before the fiscal year started in October this is December ladies and gentlemen now this is not to throw any shade on the current speaker because this preceded him But what they've done is they've kicked the can down the road. They keep doing these temporary spending bills. And at the end of the day, there's no real budget. So the task poses a new and perilous test for McCarthy's successor, Speaker Mike Johnson. Reuters describing him as a Christian conservative with relatively little leadership experience who won the gavel after weeks of bitter Republican infighting. McCarthy said, it often seems the more Washington does, the worse Washington gets. (laughs) The departure of the former party leader and campaign fundraising juggernaut, who helped Republicans take control of the House in 2022, could hamper party hopes of retaining that majority next year. While he represents a safely Republican California district, his departure will further narrow Republicans' already slim 221 to 213 majority early next year with Congress trying to avert that partial government shutdown in mid-January. 
Under California law, a special election has to take place within 126 to 140 days from the time the state's governor calls one. McCarthy, just the latest of several House Republican departures that could reduce Republicans to only a one-seat margin for passing legislation in early 2024. Yee. And if you think that's bad enough, There's another member of Congress who characterizes this in a much more perilous way. (laughs) You will find out what she had to say about the numbers and how bad they are looking. We'll get to that and more as we continue our broadcast. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. final stretch of the broadcast on this Thursday I told you about the slim majority in the House for Republicans well driving this message home a little more graphically Marjorie Taylor Greene who is just the expert in tact and class offering a grim outlook on the shrinking GOP majority after former speaker Kevin McCarthy announced His plans to resign by the end of the month. Are you ready for this? Now in 2024, we'll have a one-seat majority in the House. Congratulations, Freedom Caucus, for one. (laughs) And 105 representatives who expel our own for the other. I can assure you, Republican voters didn't give us the majority to crash the ship. Hopefully, no one dies. Wow. (laughs) Green referring to the House Freedom Caucus's push to remove McCarthy from his role earlier this year and 105 Republicans joining almost all Democrats to expel former Representative George Santos from the House last week. (laughs) Let's hope nobody dies. Oh, my goodness. By the way, a number of lawmakers have already announced in recent months they're not going to run again. They will be stepping down for their jobs, or they will be seeking a different office altogether. So now, the Republicans will only be able to afford three GOP defections to pass any party-line legislation. By the way, Bill Johnson of Ohio plans to step down in the first quarter of next year and become president of Youngstown State University. So, (laughs) this is getting to be a problem. What a mess. I would not want this headache. Ever. It's absolutely crazy. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. Bernie, how are you today? Vince, I'm good. It's Friday for me, man. I heard that. Yeah. I didn't approve that time off for you, by the way. Well, Vince, I uh, you kind of you kind of just ask for forgiveness. You beg for forgiveness. You <laughs> ask for forgiveness. That's what Pete Callender taught me. That. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll let it go because Pete Pete approved that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> we have a total of uh, eight items here, beginning in the year 1787. We have the very first state to ratify the Constitution. It's also the third place I happen to live. Uh, it's the sm- one of the smallest states in the country. 
Uh, lived there for three years. It's also the state of the current president. Is that Delaware? You are correct. You lived in Delaware, Vince? I know. Three years. Wow, I did not know that. It was quite an experience. Well, that's, a, that's incredible, Vince. I think, if I remember correctly, I remember my dad reading a story while we were there. and It was in the newspaper about how the legislature was going through to get rid of laws that were kind of irrelevant. Do you know what one of them was? What? To get rid of the whipping post. <laughs> Of course, they hadn't used it in years, but it was still on the books. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's insane. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 1941, the state was kind of backwards is what I'm saying. Yeah. So just putting that out there. <laughs> you know this date, the date that would live in infamy, right? December 7th, 1941. This is Pearl Harbor? Yes. And this country attacked the U.S. naval base in Pearl Harbor? It would be Japan. You are correct. 1942, the Navy launched the USS New Jersey, the largest battleship ever. 1971, Apollo 17. This was the last manned mission to this location. It lifted off. Where was it headed to? Is this the moon? Headed to the moon is correct. All right. 1982, the first execution by lethal injection. 1988, this... Um, guy I consider to be a terrorist allegedly recognized Israel's right to exist. Very timely in light of what we're dealing with now. Um, this is a guy who was head of the PLO for quite some time. Is it Yasser Arafat? Yasser Arafat is absolutely correct. 1999. The recording industry filed a copyright infringement suit against this company. They were the first ones who helped us to download music. Do you remember the name of this one? Is it Napster? Na Napster. All right. You're on a roll today. All right. It's a good day, Vince. It is. This it's might a be great, one of my best days. This is a great way to send off. That's absolutely right. 2006, final, final item, not in the form of a question. On this date in 2006, the Hard Rock Cafes and Casinos are purchased by the Seminole Indians. Did you know that? I had no idea. I... Just learned that myself. 2006. Wow. So, here's a bizarre story as we end the broadcast. This is weird. A commercial bus driver who pulled over on a Connecticut highway and passed out with 38 passengers aboard. Well, it stirred quite a mystery. What in the world happened? A state judge in Bridgeport approved accelerated rehabilitation for Jin Wan Chin, 59-year-old bus driver who said he didn't know <laughs> about the active ingredient in something, which you're about to hear about. If he successfully completes a two-year probation period, 38 counts of reckless endangerment will be erased. Well, it's quite fortunate, because what do you think this man consumed before he drove this commercial bus? He ate... THC-infused gummies. And somehow he was able to get a probation program to get his criminal charges dismissed. THC-infused gummies. His lawyer said Mr. Chin considers himself quite fortunate that no one was harmed. It is a good thing. He claimed he didn't know the gummies contained THC because he does not speak or read English. 
and everyone recognizes that this could have been catastrophic if he had not pulled over. It's pretty scary, isn't it? Uh, by the way, state police found him unconscious, slumped in the seat. The bag contains Smokies, edibles, cannabis-infused fruit chews next to him. So, boy, this could have been a whole lot worse. And this guy gets another chance. Hopefully he doesn't blow it this time. Otherwise, his life may go up in smoke. <sighs> That's all we got, folks. Have yourselves a great day, including Bernie. God bless you. <laughs> we'll catch you later. Adios.